Hello everybody in follower podcast land and welcome to the rough cuts. Now you may be wondering what exactly is the rough cuts? Well very simply put I have been had quite a full schedule recently a lot of exciting things going on in follower land which I'll tell you about in just a minute um, and so I haven't had all the capacity I'd like to um, to really uh, get involved in the podcast and and the bottom line is I just miss you guys <laughs> I just miss doing the podcast and being in your ears and uh, the process of kind of getting my thoughts together in order to share them with you on the podcast is super helpful for me and um, I find that uh, when I'm engaging in the podcast uh, chatting with you guys and through messages and responses there also just reminds me that uh, followers like this big community of people all over the world and so bottom line I just kind of missed you guys and so I wanted to get back into the podcast but in a way that is also realistic at this particular season um, with all the exciting things going on with followers so I just remembered back to the beginning of the follower podcast and uh, you know the very first couple of episodes they weren't polished and uh, very edited it was kind of me in a cupboard with a microphone just speaking out my thoughts and putting them on the podcast and since then it's evolved and we've had uh, interviews and we got our cool meditation music and all that kind of stuff and I still love that and we'll still do that uh, in time to come but for now in this particular season while things are quite full schedule wise I thought we'd just return to some of those simpler days in what I'm calling the rough cuts so what you're getting uh, on the podcast in the next couple of weeks uh, for this rough cut series is literally my unfiltered unedited thoughts I'm just gonna find a space each week sit down with you and share some thoughts. Now, the thoughts I'm going to share particularly are around um, uh, what we're doing with the follower community. So in case you didn't know, follower is not only a podcast, it's also a community of learning and practice in the way of Jesus. And the way that we learn and practice the way of Jesus is by taking uh, things that we see in his lifestyle and then one at a time drilling down into those things and learning about them and practicing them in community over an extended period of time. And so we just started a 10-week focus on uh, prayer because we see that in the life of Jesus and particularly we see it in the life of the early church in Acts 2.42. And uh, we are learning and practicing different modes of prayer. We're looking at contemplative prayer, intercessory prayer, and the prayer of examine, trying to build toward a, a daily prayer rhythm of morning, afternoon, and evening prayer. Um, and we're tracing the theme of the Lord's Prayer over these 10 weeks, sort of one theme from that prayer a week. And so for the next 10 weeks, that's really what I'm going to be sharing with you. It's just my own personal reflections of uh, what I feel the Lord's stirring in me around each theme uh, from the Lord's Prayer that week. And so here's the first one. And it comes to us obviously from the Lord's Prayer. Interesting. Uh, here's Jesus with his disciples. And they come to him and they start the conversation and they say, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? Now, what's really interesting about that is that prayer wasn't a foreign idea to the disciples, right? They were Jewish. They'd grown up in an, uh, an Israelite culture. And we know that from the very early stages of this nation that God had set aside for himself, prayer was like a really big thing, Shema, uh, part of their culture. Think about David. Uh, not David, at least Daniel, although David was a big prayer, but Daniel, who the reason he was in the lion's den is because he wouldn't stop praying. Um, uh, it set patterns of prayer that he had in the day. And then think about the Church of Acts. 
uh, like, uh, you know, it says they were on their way to the place of prayer and then they end up having that, that uh, encounter with the, the woman that they set free from, um, from possession. So, so we know that prayer was really rich and embedded in the culture of the Jews. So prayer itself wasn't a new thing. But the reason I think, and you know, Tyler Staten, I'm going to be quoting from some of his book and pulling some thoughts from his book, Praying Like Monks, Living Like Fools. He just makes this point. He says that the reason that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray was not because prayer was a new idea, but because Jesus prayed different um, than anyone they'd ever seen pray before. There was something about the way he engaged in this practice that shifted so much in their hearts and they wanted to learn how to do that. And so Jesus, in response to this question, says, of course, this is how you should pray. And then he gives them what we call the Lord's Prayer um, uh, or the Our Father, right? And Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses or our sins as we forgive those who trespass against us, lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. And then some translations go on to say, for yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Although that's not in the original manuscripts. And so we're just going to trace themes from that prayer each week. And this week we're looking at the very first line, Our Father. Now I just, uh, when I was thinking about how do I bring just some of my own heart stirrings around this, we've been praying using the lecture practice this week through this idea of our father and uh, the first thought that i really wanted to bring up was that this is this is where it starts for jesus um, you know he sets up his whole prayer with this opening line of our father and when we look at the life of jesus he's forever referring to god as his father and i just want to say that in the life of formation and in the life of faith uh, in our spiritual journeys, it's so important that we know who God is. Um, Tozer's got that famous line of like, the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. And Jesus comes not to reveal a new God, he's quite clear about that, uh, but to reveal God in a way that hadn't been known before. Again, the Jews knew about God, people know about God, but the picture they had about God was was not one necessarily of the nearness of a father figure so you know it's it's very hard to have an atheist conference in the context of um, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night so nobody's questioning the existence of god in that context but what they are questioning is whether or not god can actually be known whether there's a tenderness and a nearness and an intimacy to this god and and rightly so i mean you you think about sort of the power of God that's being expressed in so much of their story as a nation. And, and there is this question, man, like, is God approachable? Can God be known? And so Jesus comes and he frames God as a father. And, you know, the way he goes on to describe this, this father heart of God is, is so tender and so powerfully pursuing of, of his people and so available to his people. We'll look at that uh, at the end of this conversation. And I just wanted to start right there to say that prayer and so much of the devotional life really starts with that. It's like, who do you think God is? And do you know that he's your father? I think about Romans chapter 8, right? That we haven't been given a spirit of fear. Um, 
but uh, we've been given the spirit that cries out as, as the spirit of God witnesses to our spirit. And we cry out, Abba, Father. And we know that phrase, Abba, is just like a phrase of ultimate tenderness. It's, it would be the equivalent in our culture of like daddy or dad or like something, something that denotes tenderness and nearness and intimacy. And so it's just a really powerful picture there in the scriptures that there is an invitation from the creator of the universe who's rightly powerful and who we need to have awe and reverence for. We'll talk about that when we talk about holiness but that God is inviting intimacy and he's inviting sonship. You're no longer slaves, but now I call you sons, right? And so just for you to think about how do you see God? Now, that brings me to the next uh, thought here is that this was so scandalous uh, for the early audience. When they heard this, man, this would have been a scandal because as we've said, they knew about God as powerful, but they didn't think about God as father. Or is near um, and this is why that idea gets so attacked because as soon as God is father as soon as he's knowable the whole game changes and so in Jesus context when he starts referring to God as father not only in this prayer but really throughout his ministry man that original audience would have been borderline offended it's a scandalous thought to think about God in intimacy we're so used to it now particularly if we've grown up in a Christian culture I mean, I don't know about you, but in my story, it's like, man, from when I was little at school, uh, we were praying the Lord's Prayer, even before I really understood what it meant. It's so in me, like the ABCs, you know. And so if you've grown up in a Christian culture, you just kind of jump right into that, Our Father. But it's one of those things where familiarity robs us of the wonder of it. And so we need to remember how scandalous this is. And, and remember and appreciate the fact that we're living on the other side of the new covenant uh, where Jesus has come and he's revealed to us a God who is, who is our father. The third thought I have there is that there's a struggle involved in this because uh, not everybody's had a good father. I get that. Uh, I mean, my story is that my dad was amazing as a father. He was an incredible father and I have such good memories of my dad. One of my favorite memories of my dad is like even when I was little, like on Sunday afternoons and stuff, I'm tired every now and then I just kind of climb up onto the couch and just lie on his chest while he watched the rugby or whatever. And my dad had like a scent. I don't know how else to say it. Like even today, I'm a 38 year old man. I can still remember that scent. And when I remember that smell of my dad, it just brings like a warmth to me. And um, you know, he's been, uh, he's died uh, almost two years ago now, and I still miss him. And just the other day, me and my brothers were talking about how we miss him. Um, but I've just got the fondest memories of my dad. I really was so blessed and so grateful to have a good dad. And that's not everyone's story, particularly in the country where I'm in, South Africa. I mean, fatherlessness in our generation is such a huge thing. And so as soon as we talk about God as father, there's a lot of pushback to that understandably so if your father was abusive or or absent or uh, distant or whatever that would look like um, it's hard to relate to God as father because your your grid for what a father is is distorted and broken but that's equally true even if you had a good father like me because even the best fathers wound their kids right all of us carry some kind of father wound in in the depths of ourselves and so I get the the struggle with that and my um thought would simply be to say that we shouldn't start with the, the struggle but we should actually move to the longing 
In other words, what I mean by that is that you, you and I have like this inbuilt desire for a father, that father space. The very fact that it's, it triggers such emotion in us, good or bad, uh, shows us how deeply that things like knit into our DNA and is a part of who we are. And so there's a big need for us to, I think, not just be led by our experience of what a father is, but instead to press into our desire for what a father could be. Because whether you've had a good or a bad father, an earthly father, or a present or an absent father, whether you had a father or not, um, the greater indicator of the kind of father that, that God is, is not so much your experience of an earthly father, but your desire for a heavenly one. Right, so whatever whatever the deep ache in you is, whatever the hunger, whatever the thirst is, the nature of who God is as Father is a correlating sufficiency for that hunger. Right, uh, when you're really really thirsty, you want satisfying water. The the thirst points to the water. In the same way, the deepest longing of your soul for what a Father could be is pointing you to the kind of Father that God is. And so I would just encourage you and leave that you with that thought. Um, when it comes to relating to God as Father, rather than starting with the struggle or our broken pictures of who God is, instead, what if you considered uh, the idea of following the longing that's deep within you home to the Father? And there's lots of reasons we, we don't come to the Father, you know, our own sin, our own doubt, our own questions. I would simply take you to uh, the story of the prodigal son, which is where we're going to end this, this short thought for today. Again, you know, these, uh, these rough cuts, I don't think they're going to be long. I'm just going to jump on here and give you a few of my thoughts around each of these ideas. But I wanted to land today, uh, you know, this week as a follower community, we've been practicing uh, lectio, which is a form of prayerful reading of the scripture. And so that's where I wanted to land today uh, in the story of the prodigal son. Um, I'm going to read, it. it's Luke chapter 15 from verse 17. And I just invite you, whatever you're doing right now, maybe you're having a run or washing your dishes or whatever the story is, try to take a moment and just kind of calm down. If you can, find a quiet place and have a seat. Maybe close your eyes and take a deep breath in. Pause this if you need to. Um, and then I just want to read the scripture over you and encourage you just to prayerfully listen in for the invitation of the Father to you. And so this is it, um, Luke chapter 15, verse 17. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, and bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead 
and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Man, in your own friendship with God, uh, whether you have one, whether you're wrestling in the midst of one, whether you're exploring this idea for the first time, I think it's good to start where Jesus started, with the idea that God is a father. And he's much better than the best of our fathers and the worst of our fathers. Um, And this story of the prodigal son points us toward the kind of father that he is. You know, we can come with our lists and our explanations and all the reasons why he should just accept us as a servant. But he's not having any of it. (laughs) He loves us. He puts a robe around our shoulders, a ring on our finger, and invites us to the banquet and celebration that has been prepared for us. And so wherever you are today, here's the invitation. Uh, Do you know who you're praying to? Uh, And do you know that he's our father and not just my father, but our father, your father, the father of those who are forgotten on the margins, the father of the least of these, the people who who hide in the shadows, uh, wherever, however far you've run, Psalm 139, you could go to the depths of Sheol itself and there he would be because he's a good father. We can trust him. And uh, if you put your trust in him and been disappointed uh, by him and by life, he's the kind of father you can talk to about that. So all that to say, let's start where Jesus started. Not necessarily with all kinds of big theological ideas or our own strivings or our own attempts to earn our place at a table, but instead with the revelation that God is our Father. I hope some of those thoughts have helped you and uh, we'll give you some more rough cuts next week. Have a good one.